Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Now, Rick, this may or may not be the last Powerhouse Politics of 2020, so we wanted to do this right. We're bringing on a friend of the podcast, uh, Kate Anderson Brower, to join us. As you know, Kate has written like a library full of books, uh, but uh, but most importantly, she's got a brand new book out called, called Exploring the White House Inside America's Most Famous Home. Uh, that is targeted right right in your kind of sweet spot, Rick. It's for it's for young adults uh, uh, or, or pre-adults, uh, eight to twelve years old. Um, but Kate is also, uh, of course, uh, we've talked to her about uh, her book Team of Five about about the uh, the, the the President's Club, and obviously, uh, most famously, the Residence. So, Kate, I believe you're with us already. Am I right? Thanks for having me on to talk about a kid's book. I know we'll talk about other things, but that was very sweet of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually a delightful book, and I do want to ask you about it. Uh, but, but, but first, um, you know, as, with all the, the, the work you have done reporting mm. on the White House and on that kind of ex-president's club, uh, on the first ladies, you also have a unique... Uh, vantage point on what I think is kind of the most fascinating and important part of American democracy, which is presidential transitions. You've studied them. You've talked to the people who work at the White House. You've talked to the political, uh, the, the top political advisors uh, who, who have been there at the most recent uh, transitions. And we are now in the midst of a transition. I mean, I don't even know what to say about it, but it's 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 certainly. It's certainly not one um, like anything that, that, that we have ever seen. So I wanted to get you just, just right off the bat. You know, I, I'm told flatly, don't expect Donald Trump to show up on January 20th. He's, we're not going to see the choreography that we have seen in every transition of our lifetime where the incoming president welcomes, uh, I mean, where the outgoing president welcomes the incoming president and first lady, there's tea at the White House. There's a meeting in the Oval Office. All of that. They share this beautiful ride from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue up uh, to the Capitol for the inauguration. I mean, I I can't find anybody inside Trump world to think that's actually going to happen. Can you give us a sense from your vantage point how big a deal that would be and how how much a break uh, in, in precedent that would be? Well, I mean, it's it's completely unprecedented in modern times. There have been times in the past, you know, where we've had three presidents not go to their successors' inaugurations, but you're going back to the 19th century for that. Um, and and I don't think you would count Nixon not being there for Ford swearing in, you know, things like that. But I mean, that this is a willful um, abandonment of of um his his real his job i mean he has in my in my view this is a real reckless decision if he doesn't show up because not only has he recklessly exposed the the several members of the resident staff who work in on the second floor of the white house right the valets and butlers we know at least four of them did get covid because he doesn't wear masks um and his whole family was sick his wife and son and um and now he's going to make this job a lot harder for the about 95 resident staffers who move one a president in and the other out. And these are, you know, these are ushers, butlers, housekeepers. It's kind of an all hands on deck situation. They don't hire outside movers to do this. And 
Um, it will be unprecedented. And again, it's just, it's just making their jobs harder. And I keep wanting to know what's going on with the chief usher, Timothy Harleth, who's there now. And I don't know if you guys have any insight into this, but he was hired by the Trumps. He worked at Trump International Hotel. Um, and if he is doing his job, he would be coordinating this move. And that would be, you know, flat out going against his boss's wishes because he isn't conceding yet. So I, I think he's in a like impossible situation. Um, and we've never seen this before. It's, it's incredible. Now, the, the resident staff obviously works from president to president. Would, would you expect that this chief usher installed by Donald Trump would continue under Biden? Oh, that's a great question. No, no, I, I don't think the Bidens will keep him. Um, I've heard that they they will likely not keep him, but um, you know, how unusual it's a is shame. that? How unusual is that to see a, a well? It's becoming more of a political job, right? It's unfortunate, but you know, there was a man named Gary Walters who was in the job for more than twenty years, and and then you had um, the Obamas fire the Bush's chief usher, and then Trump fire the Obamas chief usher. So it's becoming more political, which is a shame. I think. Yeah. Now you've you've written uh, extensively about maybe the most fascinating part of the most fascinating day in in in, in the course of American politics, transition day. Uh, there, there's a period of about five or six hours, right, where mm -hmm. it's after the um, it's after the president and the incoming president would normally drive together up to the Capitol. The White House is now empty uh, and. You have this, <laughs> their stuff's going out, and the new president's stuff's coming in, and the, and, and the new president's going to be, gonna be you know, pulling in at a, you know, sometime after 5 o'clock. So you have like you know, five, five plus hours to do that move. What, what is, what, what's that normally like for that, for that? And you've talked, and you've actually gone through and talked to people that have been, you know, been there doing all of this, uh, the, the resident staff. What, 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 what is that normally like, and how is that going to be? the same or different this time around? Well, sometimes they start so early at like four in the morning that they sleep overnight the night before at the White House, um, members of the resident staff. And, you know, usually at around 9.30, the new president and first lady come for the coffee in the blue room. And then they, they say goodbye, the departing president and first lady say goodbye to the staff in the state dining room, which is a really sweet scene. And the staff presents them with the flag that hung over the White House on their first and last day in office. Um, the carpenter shop makes a special box for the flag. It's the American flag. It's a really sweet thing. And then usually they're, they're crying. There's a lot of emotion in the room because the staff is sad to see them leave. Um, and then they, they leave in the limousine, the two presidents, the two first ladies, and the staff just starts this kind of frenzied, it's, or they call it controlled chaos, basically, where they just are moving everything in and out. Even though they've been planning for weeks, there's still a lot of choreography that goes on when Usher steady threw his back out, <laughs> moving uh, the Clinton sofa in. Um, so I think that it, it's, it's very stressful. They have like five hours, like you said, everyone's eyes are trained on the West front of the Capitol, but all of this fascinating work is going on inside the White House. And, you know, for the Obamas, the Bushes were very gracious about the move. George W. Bush and Laura Bush, they said, you know, you can move 
They told the chief usher at the time they could move some of the Obama's things in and keep them in the China room um, out of sight, but so that on inauguration day, it would be easier for the staff to do the move. And by the time the president and the first lady are there, they're, you know, after the inaugural parade, their toothbrushes are on the toothbrush holders. Everything is laid out perfectly as they wanted it to be. And I just don't know what's going on now. Like, is the... We know, I know from the Biden folks that Carlos Elizondo is the social secretary and he just started last week. And I'm not clear on whether or not he's having a lot of discussions with the chief usher um, because you would imagine they would have to at this point. And is, is Trump angry if they're doing that? Um, but, you know, also with COVID, they have to do a deep clean of the White House, which is another incredible part of this whole thing. Because that's the other dynamic. It's not just a president who's not conceding and isn't isn't playing by the, the typical rules. We are in the middle of this pandemic. Uh, and uh, both president and uh, the incoming uh, president, the president-elect, are, are older uh, and have to be worried about this. The staff has to be worried about uh, about being infected as well. Is there any precedent for the kind of deep clean or the, the other kind of precautions, the physical precautions that that, it, that it, the incoming president, because he recognizes COVID as the as the threat that it is, is likely to have to make to the, the the working and living space at the White House. No, I mean we've never seen this before. You know, um, Biden's seventy eight years old, right? He'll be the oldest president to take office, and this is a virus that we know makes him especially susceptible, um, and so. The General Services Administration has said they're going to do this very deep cleaning, cleaning every surface and of the 55,000 square foot mansion. Um, and we've ne- there's always been a deep clean between administrations, um, but we've never seen anything like this. And and I keep wondering, you know, Trump can Trump. No one would expect him to ride in the limo with Biden on the way to the swearing in anyway, right? Because of COVID. So there's some things that he could get out of doing just because of the virus. Um, So if he does decide, because we don't know yet, right? If he does decide to come and and do this typical inauguration day ceremony and show up, he doesn't have to be especially physically close with Biden in the way that the Trumps and the Obamas were. So I would think that coronavirus could be a, 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 an excuse for him in some ways to not have to do some of the traditional things um, should he choose to show up. Another piece of the tradition that I've been thinking a lot about is the letter. Uh, the, 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 it, to me, some, the, there's some of the most memorable uh, pieces of writing from, from a president comes as, as he leaves office. And the words that, that George H.W. Bush left for Bill Clinton became quite famous. I remember being, I was at the White House just a, a few days into the Trump administration. Uh, David Muir had an interview there and we're there in the Oval Office and he whipped out the letter that Obama sent him. And you know the, the block letters, Mr. President. At that point, he he was sort of hinting at was in it, but he didn't he didn't release it. It has subsequently become public, and we remember what Obama told Trump about the importance of being the president for all the people. And Trump, you know, seemed moved by the words on that uh, in that letter. He talked about what a beautiful letter it was. He was very proud of this letter. I can't imagine. Trump writing a letter to Joe Biden that's sitting there in the resolute desk, uh, and it, to me, it's it's just a small symbol of of how awkward this transition is. Uh, what does this do to the president to president dynamic, the the the, the club of presidents to have Trump now uh, joining their ranks, really with no relationship to speak of 
with any of the other former presidents or the incoming president. I thought it was really interesting that all of the former presidents said they would get a vaccine, right? I mean, that was a, a good example of ways in which they get together um, to challenge Trump without directly challenging him. But you're right. I mean, the, I keep wondering about the letter, too, because, you know, you had Bush 41 saying, I'm rooting hard for you to Bill Clinton. I mean, this kind of sense of patriotism. And you, you just can't imagine that Trump would do the same. And I've, I've asked and haven't gotten an answer about the letter. I don't know if you guys have had any more luck than I have on that. But um, I think it would be, uh, even if he didn't show up to the inauguration, right, he could leave a letter in the drawer of the Resolute desk for Biden. God knows what it would say, but I think it would be fascinating. Um, but I think the, the President's Club is... Um, I think the remaining, the, the living presidents are closer than they would have been otherwise because Trump has kind of brought them together um, in some ways. But yeah, I, I think he's going to be obviously an outlier uh, and it'll be very strange to witness what, what happens when I think he'll leave and become kind of a Republican kingmaker, right? I mean, he's not going anywhere in the next few years. You, you've uh, also talked about how they White House itself is actually also a museum, and and for those first two floors, the floors that that we see if we go to a, a White House holiday party, or something like that, um, are are really not controlled by the president. Um, the, the the portraits on the walls, the the decor are uh, are are not. You know, it's one thing that that, that even even as president you don't fully control. But I did catch a story. Uh, I'm sure you saw it too. Um, uh, earlier this, I think it was earlier this year, um, about how the portraits of George W. Bush and uh, and and of the Clintons, uh, of, of of Bill Clinton, I don't think the Hillary Clinton uh, portrait, but but had had been moved. Um, so I guess so that the president wouldn't have to see them as he walks uh, around uh, those floors of the White House. First of all, is that is that true? And as far as you know, and and secondly. I, I'm curious if what kind of lasting impact will Donald Trump have on that building? I mean, Melania's got this strange sculpture that was put in the um, in, in the Rose Garden, you know, where 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 Obama famously had his beer summit. I I I, I wonder if something like that thing is going to stay. The uh, the gold fixtures in the uh, in you know that, that, that have been put in uh, the, the president's private uh, bathroom, the chandelier, and his, I mean, what 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 kind of you know when we, if we go back in the White House ten years from now, what 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 mark of Donald Trump are we going to see on the place? Do you think? You know, um, and I think I might have mentioned this before that I have heard that you know the physical impact that he's going to leave. I I don't know. I don't think it's. I think that Biden is probably going to you know immediately get rid of the uh, what the President Jackson portrait in the Oval Office and all those things that he can change immediately. And it happens as you know right on inauguration day. Those photos are all switched out, um, and it's like the the former president was never there. I mean, you, you can make the physical changes, but I think he's obviously left a mark um, culturally that will will um, be very lasting. Um, and yeah, I think that also what Melania Trump did with that statue and then what she did with the Rose Garden, a lot of these things show that there was just a tone deafness to this administration. And I think it is because she wasn't 
advised by the right people. She only had a staff of about a dozen people, less than half of Michelle Obama's staff. She just didn't she didn't have the right people working for her. And then, like you said, it's because they've alienated and, and really ostracized themselves from all the other presidents who could have helped and all the other first ladies. Um, they didn't have a lot of Bush people working there. They didn't have people with institutional knowledge. And I think that was a big problem for them. All right, Kate, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk to you a bit about, uh, about your new book. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. We are joined by Kate Anderson Brower, uh, author of several books, including a brand new book uh, designed for readers 8 to 12 years old. Well, I have to say, Rick, this kind of spoke to me, this book. So I don't know, I don't know what that says about me, but it's Exploring the White House Inside America's Most Famous Home. And uh, Kate, I, I was... I, I, first of all, I really did enjoy this book, and it is a good read, and not just for kids. Um, but but one thing you describe is kind of the, um, uh, the, 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 the the almost like city that exists below the White House. I mean, you, the, the White House complex is many floors, and you've got shops down in the basement. You've got the electrical shop. You've got the woodworking shop, the plumber. It, 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 explain to us how you... You know, came to kind of understand all that, and 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 your ex your your process of exploring this uh, you know this incredible place. Yeah, well, well, thanks. I hope I hope that adults can read this with their kids and and you know learn something um, too. But yeah, I was surprised um, having been a reporter uh, when I was a White House reporter. I had no idea that there were these floors, two floors underneath. Uh, the White House, where there are, as you say, flower shops. There's the the um, butlers have their lockers. I mean, it is this universe. There used to be a cafeteria where the staff would eat lunch, and there was at one time even like a cook that would cook for them. That's not the case anymore. But um, I just thought it was fascinating. There's a there are two hidden mezzanine levels where there's a pastry chef kitchen because the chef used to argue so much with the executive chef, the actual, you know, the, the pastry chef and the executive chef would get into these screaming matches that got so bad that they had to be separated into separate kitchens. So, I mean, it is kind of like this Downton Abbey at the White House. And the book is, you know, meant to honor the work, too, of the African-American butlers who, you know, during segregation would not be able to sit where they wanted to on the bus, but yet were working in the most famous house in the country and knew the president well. Um, and, and the fact that the White House was indeed built by slaves. And so there's a lot of background there. And and I also think kids like to have specifics. So there's like a very specific map. There's a breakdown of the usher's office and things like that, and and some fun photos of George H. W. Bush playing horseshoes with the staff, and I, I think it's a it's a hopeful look at what we might return to one day, and you know, um, and and the way that the resident staff stays on from one president to the next, I think, is wonderful. And Kate, in 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 reporting this out, I mean, this is a, this is a different level of of detail that you'd get into. What do you what do you attribute the fascination with the building to the majesty of the presidency? There's something there is something that is special about the White House that I'll tell you. My kids relate to, and they've they've both been fortunate enough to be able to to go to the White House, and the fascination uh, remains for them. What, hmm. what where is where is the where is that little special sauce that that, that you see coming out of this uh, most famous residence? 
Well, I think it's, you know, it's the closest thing we have to uh, Buckingham Palace, right? We don't have a royal family. This is it. And I think especially when there are kids living there, that's why I have a section on growing up in the White House. You know, there was something really special when Sasha and Malia were there and when Baron Trump was there. I mean, there was a sense, even though we didn't see a lot of him, the staff really, from what I know, the staff really liked having him there. You know, they'd see him playing video games in the residence. They'd see him playing, you know, soccer with his friends. There's a sense of lightness there. And um, I mean, you guys know this. It's really fun when there are kids there and and animals, like when the Obamas had Bo and Sonny there. There was a lightness to it, and I think it makes it more human. Um, but yeah, there's something very aspirational and patriotic and exciting about the building itself that I think kids really can relate to. We're going to have animals, as you know, the Bidens have have dogs. Um, yeah. They also have grandkids. Well, it, it, and, and Joe Biden is very familiar with that building, quite obviously, through many presidencies and then eight years as, as Obama's vice president. What's your sense of after COVID, what life will be like uh, in and around the Biden White House? Well, you both probably remember how Biden was. You know, he would have those parties for reporters at the um, Naval Observatory when he was vice president, and he would get out there with like a water gun and invite kids, your kids and grandkids to come. And it was like a very lighthearted scene, and he would bring his German shepherd out. I mean, it was always very inclusive, I think. Um, so I think there'll be a, a, you know, a sense of fun that, uh, that was missing. I think that Melania was very private and understandably guarded about Barron. So, you know, they ripped out the place that the Obama girls had in. I mean, everything was just, you know, on lockdown, it didn't feel as open. Um, and I think we'll see it more as the people's house when Biden is there and there'll be a, a lightness, uh, to the house. I think, I hope. We, we we did get the nice new tennis pavilion, you know, built uh, during this crisis. I mean, that was uh, that was something else. That was else. important. Yes. Um, and and I, I mean, one thing about the about the uh, the book is you you go into all the pets, and, and there are so many great stories about uh, about pets. And 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 you describe something that I could relate to because I had the same reaction. Is 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 being on Air Force One uh, during the Obama years? I remember, and then seeing. Bow, yeah, <laughs> running around the plane. <laughs> you know, the dog uh, was 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 really was was really something else. And now we've had four years. Of this. I mean, yeah. have we ever seen a president without a without a pet? Not recently. Have we ever seen a Have we ever seen an animal free White House? I mean, you know, it's a really good question. I don't think that it, at least from what I I'm, I'm sure there was a petless president at some point, but usually they run out and get a dog right away, right? Because that's what people yeah. want. They want. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, Rick. Do you know? Did James Buchanan have dogs? Uh, the Bachelor president. He must have had some kind of companion around there. He had to, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> no one had the All zoo right. of Roosevelt, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Kate. Thank you for uh, for coming on and talking to us in Powerhouse Politics uh, with something that may well be the last show of the year. We we don't know. It depends if Trevor Hastings lets us do another one. Um, <laughs> But uh, thank but you. thank you very much. The name of the new book is Exploring the White House Inside America's Most Famous Home by Kate Anderson Brower. Thank you very much. That is all the time we have for Powerhouse Politics. On behalf of the entire Powerhouse Politics team, including Avery Miller and Trevor Hastings, we wish you a very happy new year. <laughs>